Father in heaven, thank you for this privilege to be able to have this time together one last time. I just pray that you'd bless us with your presence, that you would give wisdom and discernment uh, to myself on how to best manage the time that I've been given. And I pray that what is shared would be practical and helpful. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there was one thing I neglected to mention. We can't watch it because we won't have time. But there is one more organization that I, well, there's, I'm sure, a ton more, but one that was, it's local. Uh, if you haven't heard of it or aren't aware, it's called Light Unshackled. It's under YouTube. It's under the name Luma Visuals. It's the Hosford Boys. Hosford, is that right? Yeah. Um, both here in Michigan. I think they're in the Berrien Springs area. They do great work, too, and uh, they worked with Phil Mills Jr. on creating documentaries on the Reformation. They did four episodes, I believe. They're all about a half hour in length, and they're very well filmed. I'll let you get just a, a brief taste there of them. So anyway, they're well shot, good content. Uh, it's another option. Uh, it was even more relevant last year during the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, but nonetheless, good stuff. Um, so just another example of some resources that exist on the interweb. I listed like a ton of them yesterday. Yeah, sorry, I won't have time to go into those. Uh, but I can get you that information uh, by getting you the audio from yesterday. So we are going to walk into a little bit of my friend Jasper's story. And I don't have the slideshow, unfortunately. Uh, he sent it to me last night, but he has third world internet and... One folder worked, another folder didn't, but I do have a PDF of what he did. Um, so Jasper, I talked about him a bit yesterday. Jasper is from the Philippines. He went to school, went to seminary, and eventually was a pastor. He went to AFCO Philippines and then became a pastor uh, in Indonesia after he taught at AFCO Philippines for a while and then taught, I think he helped them start even AFCO Indonesia. But anyway, Jasper had always in the back of his mind like he was kind of fascinated with video cameras growing up, wanted to kind of use them and have fun with them, and then he just got distracted with the foolish world of video games and destroyed his brain for many years playing video games and, and wasting his time. And he wished he could go back and change that. Um, what ended up happening that kind of led him into ministry was that he had a, they found that he had a brain tumor, and he thought he was done for, and God worked a miracle in his life and saved his life, and he vowed, you know, like, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, man, if you're going to save my life. And so went to went to school in the Philippines, uh, studied evangelism, did a bunch of evangelism, and then he starts doing work in Indonesia, in Jakarta, uh, which is a predominantly Muslim country, but he's the associate pastor, youth pastor at the Jakarta, all, um, I think it was the English-speaking church in Jakarta, kind of the international church. But anyway, they recorded a series that he did when he was working for AFCO Indonesia, and so these are all the videos of the evangelistic series that he was preaching. And he looked into this a while later uh, after he had preached them. He didn't think much of it, the fact that they had filmed it. And there's gobs of views, tons of views. And this thing has all been translated into Indonesian. So he's speaking through an interpreter into the Indonesian language. And yet there's thousands of views in a Muslim, predominantly Muslim language country. And he realized, the internet, man, there's, there's something here, there's something that needs to be done here. And um, so Jasper just kind of had this burden to kind of start making what he could with what he had. And um, I think that's actually, I think what he did is just showed how much response you can get from somebody just through the internet. So let me go over here real quick and I'll show you a video that he made that uh, So, we're told that nature is one of God's means of speaking to people, right? And so what Jasper did is he took this gorgeous aerial footage. Now, this would cost you thousands of dollars to rent a helicopter and do 10, 15 years ago. Now, for a grand, maybe a grand and a half, you can get a decent drone and you can get footage like he got. And... Philippines Airlines is sharing this video to well over a million people, highlighting God's creation, and he puts it at the end, and God saw what he had made, and indeed it was very good. Um, and so he's actually used other videos, or had other ver videos do well, 
where he had like a quote from Ella White, where, uh, and this is actually where this comes in. Um, where he said, he uses this quote where it says, The earth is now marred and defiled by sin, yet even in its blighted state, much that is beautiful remains. God's object lessons are not obliterated and rightly understood. Nature speaks of her creator. He used that in another one of his videos that got a bunch of shares from people. And so it's just an interesting witnessing opportunity. So yeah, 1.3 million views on the Philippines Airlines page, I think. And that's, that's a big deal, yeah? Well over 1,300 shares. Um, Unilad Tech shared the video as well, and that got 173,000 views. So... Um, the question that one may be thinking is, well, how do I get started? How do I do? Like, Jasper just used what he had. Like, he wasn't someone that was trained in film school. He wasn't someone that had this huge pedigree or whatever. He just started doing. And uh, he uses the biblical principle, Luke 16, 10, that he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in least is also unjust in much. And you may not think you can do much with something small, but David took out something big, right, uh, with Goliath. This is what Ellen White says. She says, Many of the little home duties are overlooked as of no of a consequence. But if the small things are neglected, the larger duties will be also. When the Lord sees that you're faithful in that which is least, He will entrust you with larger responsibilities. Uh, many times we'll think, if I just had X, then I could do something for God. Then I would do something big. But that's not really the mentality that God would have for us to have. What do you have, Right? When Jesus asked the disciples, why don't you give them something to eat? The disciples said, well, uh, we don't, there's, not, there's no way we can feed all these people. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, you're right. You know, he'd ask them a very logical question. What do you have? And when they brought what they did have, Jesus made that enough, right? That's one of the principles we have in that, uh, is that you may feel like what you have to offer God isn't enough. And you're right, it's not. But if you bring it to Jesus, he can make it enough. And that's what Jasper began to do. She says, When you gather up the rays of light which God has given in the past, then He will give an increase of light. God will give an increase of light to those who walk in the light received. So when we choose to go with what we have been given, God grows and increases it. And I'm so proud of Jasper for taking this route because many people think, no, I got to have a you know $5,000 camera, I got to have $10,000 worth of lenses, I got to have a $7,000 computer, I got to have all of this stuff before I can do something in media ministry. And that's not true. It's absolutely not true. And Jasper's story vindicates that. So, well, how did he learn how to do what he does? He went to YouTube University. <laughs> the tuition cost is amazing. It's free. He went on YouTube and started looking into different things. This is one called DSLR Guide, uh, a YouTube channel where they tell you how to do all kinds of stuff. So how to learn filmmaking, that's one. Uh, there's another person who's a famous filmmaker and photographer. His name is Philip Bloom. Uh, he would watch his stuff, learn how to do things. Another one is Brandon Lee. Um, they've also got instructional videos and he also does like gear reviews. So you can kind of know what this camera does, what it doesn't do. Is it for you? Is it not for you? And he just started looking into that. He looked into photography composition videos. How do you frame a picture, right? Where should the head be in a shot? Where should the sun or the horizon be in a shot? And he just started doing his own education through YouTube, learning these basic principles and premises. Uh, and then he began networking. He reached out to people, said, hey, here's kind of what I'm making so far. What do you think? What do you use? How does it work? And that's just how it started. So he was reaching out to people on Facebook, just some kid from the Philippines who was in Indonesia at the time, I guess, um, sending Facebook messages to strangers who were good at what they were doing and asked for help. And they graciously responded. But there's this myth that better gear equals better results. Man, if I just had this, I would do better, right? And that's not just something that applies to filmmaking, right? We may feel that way about golf clubs. We may feel that way about all kinds of things. Uh, better gear equals better results. And there's a name for this, actually, in the filmmaking community. It's called gas. You have gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. If I can just get this, 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 and this, then I'll be something, then I'll get it right. And most people will tell you that's not true, unless they're people who have gas and don't listen to them because they have gas. Um, so there's websites that talk about this and kind of give some of the background. And so you'll see some filmmakers 
where they get all excited about what they have and they take these you know, kind of snobby pictures of here's all my gear, here's all the stuff I have, and you know, you just kind of feel awesome that you have all this stuff. And I mean, it's cool looking, I guess, and it's, it's not like the worst thing in the world to do, but the point is I've seen people make phenomenal stuff with an iPhone. Like I mentioned two days ago, maybe three, basically a majority of all the viral videos that happen on social media are done with an iPhone or an Android, right? Just with a cell phone. And there's more websites to talk about this as well. But number 10, one of the ways to get past gas is to just go out and shoot. Like, do what you can with what you have. Just go shoot. And again, God will give an increase of light to those who walk in the light received. So use what you have. So what did Jasper have when he started? Jasper had nothing. The first camera he got was a GoPro. It was the first thing he could afford. But it's really hard to do a lot with a GoPro, one would assume. But if you'll see this, that's under his GoPro, there's a mount on the GoPro that actually fits perfectly on top of an IKEA kitchen timer. And so the first thing that Jasper started doing was actually time lapses. And I'll show you an example uh, that he put together of some of those time lapses. The ones that you're going to see go from left to right or from right to left, those time lapses were made literally with a GoPro attached to an IKEA kitchen timer. So again, capitalizing on people's enjoyment of nature and using that to talk about its creator. Uh, it's called Motion, a 20-month time-lapse compilation. It's on his Telvin Ministry YouTube page. So, again, he used what he had. He was faithful with that which is little. And in turn, when God has blessed Jasper with more, God has blessed him in that. And so eventually he was able to get his first DSLR. Um, and he ended up make, before he got that, though, he made this kind of makeshift stabilizer gimbal thing uh, for his... GoPro and just use what he had with what he could. What eventually would happen is people would like what he's doing, they donate a camera or they donate money to buy gear and as time would go by when he would need something different or whatever, people would like what he's doing, whenever he would receive something nicer, he would donate it to missionaries in the Philippines so that they could make videos. And so freely he received, freely would he give and God has always honored and blessed that. And Jasper gives radically, he lives radically, and the majority of the work that this guy does, he's not even paid for. He's an itinerant filmmaker and preacher. He's all around the world doing work for everybody just to help get mission work, you know, greater um, publicized so people know how they can support. Most of the time, people just buy a plane ticket for this guy, and he just does it, uh, and he doesn't complain about it. Yes? Uh, is he actually a full-time pastor? No, he left. Yeah, he left pastoral ministry to do this now. And uh, so, yeah, he used to be a full-time pastor, but now he is an itinerant filmmaker and, and preacher and goes all around the world. He's getting ready to go to Europe for a couple months this summer. And um, one of the things that can actually be rather insulting to a filmmaker is whenever you see that they make something beautiful, they've created something beautiful, a lot of times people who are obsessed with gear and don't know a lot, one of the questions they're going to ask them is, oh, man, what gear did you use? And he makes the point that no one comes up to Gordon Ramsay and say, man, that was an amazing meal. What kind of knives did you use? Like, you don't ask that, right? It's, it's the magician, not the hat, right, that makes the magic. And so anyway, it, you can use what you got. He's showing, these are just examples of pictures he's taken a lot of times just with a phone. Um, and many people think that you need to get um, the photography plan from Adobe Creative Cloud to get Lightroom and Photoshop to make pictures look really nice and to make them pop, but he's an impoverished missionary that can't afford that. So he just uses these two things, Snapseed and VSCO. And they're just filters that he uses for his phone uh, to be able to kind of get crisper, cooler looking pictures. And then he even has ways to edit pictures that he takes on his DSLR uh, by getting an adapter. Snapseed and VSCO are the filters he uses. He uses an iPhone. I think he's got a seven plus. Seven plus now, maybe. Um, but he bought an adapter on Amazon where it's a card reader, an SD card reader for your iPhone. So he would edit his pictures, even pictures that he would take from his DSLR, he would edit them with these on his phone <laughs> by just using a card reader, an adapter. And he gives some examples here of before and after. Um, so the ones on the right are ones that he's color corrected and done some tweaks to the ones on the left are the original footage or the original picture. Um, 
This is the first one. This is the second. Here's first. Here's second. You can see a big difference. Here's the first. Here's second. Kind of cleans it up. And then these are just edited pictures already at the end. And the lens that he uses for a lot of his pictures and one of his favorites is some used lens he got. It's a 1971 Canon 50mm 1.4 FD. And he gets great pictures on a Sony A7S II and an A7 III now. Um, but he's using an old lens. So that there's, it's a myth that you can't take good pictures or get good images unless you have the best of the best. This guy uses what God allows for him to have and it works just fine. Um, more pictures that he's edited and shot just with his phone. Again, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And what he eventually ended up doing is he actually produced a calendar this last year to raise money for that school that we watched the video for yesterday uh, where those children were walking all the way through the jungles in Papua. And so all these are images that he's taken over the last years in his missionary work. And then they made this nice picture calendar for him to sell and raise funds for them to be able to build schools. He's not even keeping the money for it. It all goes to those kids. And we watched some of the videos of the mission school already. So he went with Taj Pakleb to uh, Tonga, I think, and they filmed whales out there. And so he posts this picture of a small whale, a baby whale with the parents. And he, it took him multiple days, I mean, day after day after day after day of going out there and flying his drone over the whales but he got the perfect picture and someone sends him this message on Instagram because of the picture that they saw. Hey, Pastor Jasper, would it be possible to get a copy of this? My mother was diagnosed with cancer earlier this year and on her final day of work flying her float plane over the ocean, she saw a mother whale teaching her baby to swim and come up for air just like this. The baby would drop down and she would disappear and bring it back up to the surface. It was a promise to her by God that he would do the same. <laughs> and yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And so this is a picture of her um, on her mom's desk, the picture that she's able to give. And he's found that, by, I mean, he's given Bible studies to people over the internet because they asked for him because he saw his videos and he talks about God at the end of a thing. Hey, can I have Bible studies? He did. The Miss Universe pageant called, uh, reached out to Jasper two years ago and said, would you do the aerial videography for our event, for Miss Universe? And he says, no, I'm going to the event of the universe, GYC. <laughs> um, a colorist from Marvel Studios, you're probably not, well, some of you may be, but Marvel Studios is, um, they're the ones that like the Avengers, and Thor, and X-Men, and Spider-Man, and all, Spider-Man, and all that stuff. Um, used to be a comic book brand, now they make movies and stuff too, based upon those characters. Anyway, one of the people who does color grading for Marvel films, so they're really, really good at what they do, saw videos that Jasper had made, sent him a private message and said, I'm willing to give you free lessons on color grading just because I see that you have great, a great gift. I'd love to help in any way I can. So he's had people reach out to him. There's a video he made uh, for some missionaries who are doing work over in, I forget where it is. I think it's in the Philippines or in Indonesia in that area. I forget which. But anyway, he made a video for this pilot just to kind of talk about what they're doing to raise funds. And he's not all that proud of the video, to be honest with you. Like, he realizes there's a lot of stuff he would fix and change because he was just kind of getting started. But you just wonder, like, am I really making a difference? And even with videos that you're not happy with, and listen to this. This is from a guy who messaged him. said, this video so inspired me that this year I've become a missionary pilot for Adventist Aviation Services in Papua New Guinea. God bless you and Gary and all who support you. This guy literally left his job and he and his family moved to the mission field because of a video that Jasper isn't proud of because it inspired him and made him want to do this work. There's another story he has. I'm actually going to show you this video because it's amazing. Um, there's a guy in Australia who's just doing this amazing ministry. Let me find this real quick. Uh, this is called The Most Inspiring Person I've Ever Met in Australia on Jasper's YouTube page, Tell the Ministry. I spend a holiday here, and sometimes I'm tired. And I go home, and I'm happy. I have a rest, and next day, again. 
I wish that there would be more young people coming here and do the same because so many tourists here, thousands upon thousands. Hello everyone, so we're here in Blue Mountains, about one and a half hour drive from Sydney. And we're supposed to go as tourists here, take pictures and fly our drones and to take the beautiful scenery. But as we're walking around, uh, one of our friends, Randy and family, met this guy who was just having this big telescope and is asking people about the things around. And whenever you guess the question or you answer the question that he has, he'll give you a book. And eventually the books were great controversies and steps of Christ. And we made a little interview and he's one of the most inspiring, inspiring probably person here in Australia that I've met. So I hope you'll be inspired as you listen to his testimony. Yes, my name is Adam Wadarczyk. I'm from Poland. I'm 50 years in Australia. And uh, I was born before Second World War, so I know system Nazi Germany, Stalin, <laughs> communism, English capitalism, Obama democracy. <laughs> and I come here, I live in Nurak, close to Atumba. And uh, before I had a TRX stand with literature, but they forbid me. So now I have literature in my pocket. I put big pockets here and I put books and talk to people and give them books. And I met this nice pastor here and this help us. So when I give them book, they look at look at and say, oh, this is authentic book. I said, yes. So we are, and I'm a pastor. So uh, they made my day there. I'm, I'm happy that I made them here. And uh, this is what I do. When it's nice weather, I come here every Sabbath afternoon from church. I come here every Sunday and during week. And uh, I give, like uh, last Sunday, I gave 50 great controversies and step to Christ to people, to tourists. So I give about 2,000 or more these books a year. And I wish that there will be more young people coming here and do the same because so many tourists here, thousands upon thousands, especially when it's long weekend. One day when I came here, I was a little bit, I didn't have the best day. So I was standing next to friends and said, no pastor, no people come here. I'm a little bit upset. And uh, Suddenly, beautiful being came. Unbelievable. I never saw it but I. And he said, Adam, may God bless you. What are you doing? I said, four points. And what I am doing? Because I was standing next to him. I said, you're giving word of God to people. I said, how do you know? I observe you. I said, thank you. And I turned around. Nobody, not that person. Do you know who I am? Angel of God. <laughs> if he didn't catch it, he was discouraged. No pastors come, no church members come. I'm doing this by myself. He felt like he wasn't getting anywhere. And God literally sends an angel to tell this guy, we're proud of you. <laughs> hmm. So encouraged. <laughs> I start to talk to people who give me a box. Like there the is seed pot, like this. And they call the seed here in Katumba Mountain Devil. And people say, it's really like a devil. I said, do you know how devil looks like? Devil was beautiful angel in heaven, named Lucifer, light bearer. And he was next to the throne of God. When Angels worship God. You were jealous. They should worship him. So he make rebellion. He wanted to sit on the throne of God's seat. And he was war in heaven. He was cast down here with his angels. That's why we have war, crime, bloodshed. And uh, 
But Jesus didn't left us to perish. He came and brought us back. So you twice his. He created you and he brought you. Follow Jesus and you'll be safe. If you follow devils, you'll be lost. Jesus will come soon. Be faithful. Follow Jesus. I have a message for you. Never give up. Be faithful and spread the message. This is what last words of Jesus were when he was going up and said, Go ye to Holloway and preach the gospel. Last commission from Jesus. And you'll be blessed when you do it. Because I know I spend here all day here. And sometimes I'm tired. But I go home and I'm happy. I have a rest the next day. Another place he tells the story where this Adam guy he saw this girl who was crying standing near the rail and went to go talk to her. Turns out she was getting ready to jump, and he talked her out of it. And just amazing story. And years go by because he's been doing this for twenty years. Years go by, and this beautiful young woman comes up to him and says, "Do you remember me?" <laughs> it was her. She came back. He's still giving books. Changed her life. She says, I have a son now, I think, or I'm married or something. She's at least married. I think maybe she even had a kid and said, that wouldn't be the case. It worked for you. Just amazing, man. So anyway, Jasper finds a story by just being a tourist in Australia, but he documents it. You know, when you find powerful stories like that, it doesn't have to be filmed with some cinematic 4K or whatever. Just document the story. People should hear. And anyway, it was just amazing. Oops. Those are my expenses. You don't need to see those. Um, okay, and then this is kind of his second session. So, again, he that's faithful in little will be faithful in much. And um, we actually kind of covered some of this. When you gather up the rays of light that God has given you in the past, then he will give an increase of light. So walk in the light that you've been given. We've actually covered a fair amount of this. Let me see here. He made the point that by being faithful with what he had, God opened up more doors for opportunities. And now he's part of the Lineage Journey team. He actually um, it, he filmed season two himself, basically. Uh, which releases July 4th, by the way, which is very soon and an exciting opportunity. Um, this is what she says, though. Ellen White, he, English isn't his first language. We'll fix that. Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us, of which we know how much. Nothing. But those who accept the one principle of making the service of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path set before their feet. And it's true. Um... And I love this. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, right? If God's asking you to do something and you don't have the means, that's not your problem. What has God asked you to do? That's the question. Um, and he makes the point that we're not to work for the income, but for the outcome. And so, I mean, he's an itinerant preacher, filmmaker, who travels the world doing work for God, and he doesn't actually get paid for a majority of what he does. And yet God provides for him. Is that the call everyone's going to have? No, that's not the point. But he's not in it for the money. That's the point. You could have a job that, that takes care of you or whatever, but is that what you're in it for? For the funds or for the work that God's asked you to do, the outcome of the work that God's asked you to do? And um, he makes a point about the Review and Herald and how it started. This is what Ellen White says about it. I believe it's her or James. But they say, we're just settled uh, in Rochester. We've rented an old house for $175 a year. We have the press in the house. <laughs> And so the Review and Herald began in their home. Were it not for this, we should have to pay $50 a year for office room. 
you would smile could you look upon us and see our furniture. I think this is Ellen White actually writing to her family. We've, brought two, we've bought two old bedsteads for 25 cents each. My husband brought me home six old chairs, no two of them alike, for which he paid one dollar. And soon he presented me with four more old chairs without any seating, for which we pay, paid 62 cents. So they bought chairs, but no seats in those chairs. The frames are strong, and I've been seating them with drilling. Butter is so high that we do not purchase it, neither can we afford potatoes. We use sauce in the place of butter and turnips for potatoes. Our first meals were taken on a fireboard placed upon two empty flour barrels. We're willing to endure privations that the work of God can be advanced. We believe the Lord's hand was in our coming to this place, and there is a large field for labor, but few laborers. Few people are going to be uh, are doing it, unfortunately. This is from Uriah Smith. This is hilarious. Because the daily diet consisted largely of beans and porridge, bachelor boarder Uriah Smith, after having lived with the family a few weeks, remarked to a comrade that he had no philosophical objection to eating beans 365 times in succession. Yet when it came to making them a regular diet, he should protest. <laughs> if I have to eat them 365 times in a row, that's okay. But if that's my regular diet, no way. Um, that's how our work started. People were willing to sacrifice. And this is Jasper's counsel to people who were going into filmmaking and media. Don't go in it to be famous. Don't go in it because you want fancy gear. Don't go in it because you want to make a million dollars. Just do what God has asked you to do and he'll take care of you. And that's how our work started. And Ellen White actually refers to this where she's, there's, uh, it's actually in one of the books that she's written. I forget which one, uh, where it talks about, uh, it's a picture of a bull, a bullock, and it says, ready for either. There's an altar in the background and there's a, uh, a plow right in front of it. There's a picture representing a bullock standing between a plow and an altar with the inscription, ready for either. I'll die and be sacrificed for your cause or I'll work diligently for it. Ready for either. Ready to toil in the furrow or to be offered on the altar of sacrifice. Ministry of healing. That's where it's from. This is the position of the true child of God, willing to go wherever duty calls to deny self to sacrifice for the Redeemer's cause. So that was great advice. All right, so those are just some basic principles and background uh, that I had talked about or was going to at least give some details on. Um, if you want to know how to do stuff, go to YouTube University. It's the best way to get technical skills. Uh, if you want to learn how to write things, like write posts and how to organize them, go to Jamie's website that we talked about earlier this week, sdadata.org. There are tons of blogs, tons of uh, resources that she's compiled that the world has made, but she's contextualized them to our particular context um, and has done a phenomenal job. So that kind of covers some of the how-to. I was going to try to do a mix today of a how-to and do some screening and stuff for ARTV and then open up to questions. Um, all right, so we produced a documentary that released last week uh, from now until the end of the year, the Adventist Review is doing a series called Digging Deeper. And in this, by the way, who is new to this seminar? I, I believe you are. And you are. There you go. And so they, we've started a series called Digging Deeper, looking at positions and, and uh, teachings in Adventism, but digging deeper in them. So we're kind of releasing a wide array of resources. The first is the actual publication itself, the Adventist Review itself. Uh, there's Bible studies in there. There's articles, expanded information. We also, with AR Audio, a sister program of sorts of ARTV, with AR Audio, we're releasing podcasts. And then we're also doing documentaries through ARTV. Uh, ARTV is just the on-demand media platform that the Adventist Review has developed. So it's not a television station. It's an online platform where you can watch what you want, when you want. All of it is Adventist programming. It's free. It's family-friendly. And uh, there's programming that's specifically uh, missional in nature, but there's also like health programming, nature programming, other types of stuff. So it's diverse. So it's a place you can bring non-Adventists who aren't just overwhelmed by a bunch of inside Adventist lingo either, right? It's kind of tactfully presented. We license content from other entities and we create our own, but a majority of the stuff is not done in a studio. Uh, we intentionally do it out and about. So we've released a documentary to kind of go along with this month's releases on the Mark of the Beast. So this is not meant to be an exhaustive documentary on what the Mark of the Beast is and how it operates because we have 
if you go to the AdventistReview.org, AdventistReview.org slash Digging Deeper, you'll be able to get access to all the resources we're going to be releasing over the next year because they, they go all the way to the end of the year. This month was the Mark of the Beast. Uh, next month's going to be on the topic of the Godhead, which is certainly something that's coming into a large dispute recently. So um, all that being said, the Mark of the Beast documentary is not meant to be an exhaustive explanation. That wasn't our objective because when you look at all the resources together, you'll get that. We're providing one piece, just so you're aware of that. So it's not that we're, you know, some people may end up taking some weird, crazy view that all oh, you guys are watering down the message or whatever. That wasn't the point, right? You can't do that in a 10 to 15 to 20 minute documentary. That wasn't our objective. Uh, if you look at the whole website and what we're releasing as an organization, you'll get the full picture, if that makes sense. So we're digging deeper, looking at different aspects. So we had a brilliant idea. We're going to take Mark Finley and have him meet up with millennials, five of them an atheist slash agnostic, a Muslim, a devout Catholic, an evangelical pastor's kid, and one other, I forget what the other person was, a new convert, I think, um, and have him talk about the mark of the beast and have a discussion with them about the mark of the beast. And it was a very interesting dialogue. So this is a documentary we produced on that. It's on our platform. Everything here is free. And again, you can access this through your iPhone, your iPad, through your web browser. If you have a Roku, if you have Android, whether it be Android TV, um, an Android tablet, or an Android phone, any of those devices, and Apple TV as well, you can watch this all for free on those devices. Cool. So this is our documentary. My dear brothers and sisters, I have prayed all day about this subject. The Mark of the Beast. It is solemn, very moving, because everybody who gets the Mark of the Beast is lost. The Mark of the Beast. A tattoo, a barcode, a national ID card, a microchip. Can a microscopic tag be implanted in a person's body to track his every movement? There's actual discussion about that. You will rule on that. Mark my words. Mark my words, huh? More like the mark of the beast. Sounds scary. Definitely important, but there are so many different opinions. How do I know which one is true? By 2020, mobile wallets on our smartphones are expected to surpass the use of credit and debit cards in the U.S. That has already happened in China. India also has a national ID system called ADAR that registers people using biometrics. Maybe the next big thing, it sounds like it's right from a sci-fi movie, but people all over the world are implanting these into their wrists. Once implanted, it can identify you as you pass through the airport, open the door to your home. It could even be used to buy groceries at the supermarket. Third year law student right now, GW Law School. I finish up in December. 
I also have a history of being a stand-up comedian um, and an actor. I'm 20 years old. I'm a cybersecurity major, well, cybersecurity and information assurance. Um, that's pretty much my main goal, but right now I freelance and do like event production. Um, this idea of the Antichrist. Um, the Beast is in fact in our tradition as well, um, and it, it, the Beast is one of the signs of the last hour, of the, day, uh, the Day of Judgment. So we believe that there are many signs that will happen before the Day of Judgment, um, you know, floods, earthquakes, um, all these uh, dangerous things. The mark of the beast are concerned is that, well, I read the Bible very literally in the sense of like an evangelical, and to me that's the only way that really made sense. Um, I used to kind of cherry pick what I believed and what I didn't, and I always just found too many loopholes with it. And part of the reason that I was able to really believe this time was because I just took it for what it was, plain reading. Obviously there are metaphors in the Bible, but only when it's meant to be a metaphor. Um, if it was written literally, I take it literally. Uh, yes, I, I've, I've been running out since I was a kid. My whole family was um, Before participating, I have never heard of Mark of the Beast. Uh, I've gone to, I've gone to, uh, I've had many religion classes uh, throughout school, and we've talked about the Book of Revelation, but we've never talked about Mark of the Beast. Just like growing up, of course, you hear about the Mark of the Beast, and you think a literal beast, like a monster. I believe in Mark of the Beast technology. Thank you very much for agreeing to take a drive through DC with us. I'm looking forward to it. I was brought up in a lovely Roman Catholic home. My, my parents were really close and brought up in a home that was quite secure. Uh, brought up in Norwich, Connecticut, lived right on Long Island Sound, and grew up with the wind blowing in my face and the <laughs> sand coming up between my toes. It lived, you know, not far from the beach, not far from the ocean. Just absolutely uh, look back at my childhood. You know, there's always ups and downs, but it was really positive. Yeah, just really a positive childhood. My father later began studying the Bible quite seriously. Uh, he worked with the Seventh Day Adventist on the at work. He, my father was a foreman of the night shift in a place called Bosco Staple Company. And his his uh, foreman worked the day shift. His foreman was a Seventh Day Adventist, so he began to share with him spiritual principles, the truths of scripture, and that became an Adventist. So I grew up in a home where my father was a Seventh Day Adventist, my mother was a Catholic. Never saw them argue once over religion. Really? Yeah, never once. Uh, in fact, at, at, in those years, my mother smoked, my father did not, of course. My mother ate pork, and I can remember we go sitting down at times at our table. My mother would make salad and peas and corn and potatoes. My father would put them on his plate and he'd pass the pork chops by, look at my mother and say, Gloria, what a wonderful evening. My mother didn't drive in those years, so my father drove her to church, to the Catholic church, every Sunday and sit outside studying the Sabbath school lessons, you know. So he wouldn't go in. No, no. But because he didn't have that belief system, but he respected her. I grew up in a home where where the beliefs of one were respected. When I I grew up, of course, in the Catholic church, uh, was educated by the priests and nuns on the altar. Went to Catholic schools my first eight years, then went to a public high school. When I was a senior in high school, my father knew that this was his really last chance to really have any major impact on me, but we had developed a relationship. I can remember distinctly when trout season, fishing season, would begin in New England, and uh, I would say to my dad, Dad, can you take me trout season? It opens on Saturday, April, such and such. He would say, you go to early mass on Sunday, and I'll take you right after mass. He, my father was the kind of person that was really flexible when it came to his boy, but he was very um, conscientious when it came to his faith. So he had that blend, Rico, of being loving and flexible on things that really uh, would win me, but very conscientious. Mark's fond memories of how his father led him to a relationship with God and demonstrated Christ to him really made an impression on him. It revealed a lot about his own patient manner and approach to sharing challenging topics with those who are searching. Well, now we know that, and this is, by the way, a very telling story because sometimes, you know, you watch a minister for years. You think you know him. Yeah, you know. But here is some of these 
very personal stories. Um, it's really it's a lot of texture. Um, I know people will appreciate that. I certainly do. But this is revelatory now. I need to let you know something. Uh, on our drive back, it's going to be experience is going to be switched tables and turn a little bit. It's going to be somewhat revelatory for you. Okay. And I'm going to reveal something to you when we drive back. Good. But I'm not going to tell you right now what it is. While Mark is used for speaking before large crowds over many nights, he did share his concerns about whether this topic could be understood in such a short amount of time with such a diverse group of individuals. Should 18 to 34 year olds be interested in this topic? If indeed there is an economic boycott coming. Wait a minute. I couldn't believe what I just heard. The words economic boycott would get anyone's attention. Let's hear that again. <laughs> if indeed there is an economic boycott coming, uh, if indeed there is a death decree coming. From this statement, I knew that this would resonate with our new friends waiting downtown. You want to get someone's attention? Talk about their money. Just from the idea of the Barclays being potentially this gives to cash society or, or the government, I'm definitely not fan. Because I definitely see our society going towards that direction as we're getting more and more into like a cashless kind of vibe going on. Because in the book of Revelation, it says that the mark of the beast is to, um, to like anybody, free, slave, rich, poor, they're going to have a, like a mark to decide whether or not they can buy or sell. And I think that we're already heading to that direction to access that credit card. What's the expression? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Our topic tonight, my topic tonight, my topic is Mark Bar of the Beast. I was lecturing in the Olympic Stadium in Moscow. Once communism fell, I had an invitation to come with lecture at Mahan University. Many of the students were coming from a certainly a non-Christian background. Because we had led many people to Christ, and because we had worked there in Moscow for a while. When I get up to speak, a lot of ladies were coming up to give me flowers, so I'm taking these flowers. And a lady walks down the aisle, and I should have known because the flowers were dead. It was full. I went to reach these flowers. I'm kind of looking, thinking, what in the world is this? She pulls the microphone out of my hand before like 18,000 people, and she starts yelling, this man is the Antichrist. This man is the Antichrist. He has the mark of the beast, you know? So if we wanted who the beast is, in that instance, in her mind, I was the beast. So anyway, so anyway, what happens is she, her name was Mary David Christ. You can look her up on the internet. She's just amazing. I say amazing, yeah. She believed that she was the leader of the good angels that were cast out of heaven. And that the good angels left heaven and she would assume the name Mary, mother of God. She believed she was pregnant with the new Christ child, and that new Christ child would rule the world, and his name would be David. She believed that her young followers, they became all male, between 18 and 22, she had 20,000 followers, and she believed that they were the good angels to battle evil, and that I was the epitome of evil. So when she said, this man is the beast, they jumped up out of the audience to attack, so I'm standing on the platform, these 15 to 20 kids come running to attack me. Now, fortunately, I had led to Christ many KGB officers, many <laughs> no. Russian soldiers, and they had not forgot their skills. So when they saw their old preacher getting attacked, you know, they would. That happened to us for 14 nights in a row. Wow. She was there. So we said to her, I sent one of my staff to talk to her, and I said, look, we've got to negotiate. We've got to stop this. You know, we'd have music, we'd have to be fine in our lectures. Orchestras would play. We'd have health lectures to help the people. Everything would be fine until I started to speak. I mean, they would smash with baptized people. They'd smash bottles and put them in the bottom of baptismal pools, and people would cut their feet. You know, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. Burn down our signs. Every night when they attacked, we went to the Russian authorities and said, look, we've got to stop this some way. And they said, look, it's a free society because right after Russia fell, there was a lot of chaos there. Here's how we stopped it. I sent one of my staff to talk to her. And I said, you know, we, we want to negotiate. What do you want? She said, I want one night to speak with the people. And my staff came back to me and said, we told them we're going to 
In Bible prophecy, one prophetic day equals one literal year. This power reigned for 1260 years. Daniel said in verse 25, Remembrance that he would think to change the times of the law. Each Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible, and the transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. We set out to talk about the mark of the beast, but it really hit home what the core message was all about. The beast power using force, violence, and cruelty. The Lord using joy, peace, and kindness. Mark is an example of what that kindness looks like. Don't get me wrong. Mark did share who the beast is, what the mark is, and how to avoid it. So the issue in the mark of the beast is over worship. And we see that. Mm -hmm. Issues of worship. That is worshiping the creator or worshiping uh, the creature. And so the Sabbath becomes the central issue in a final last day conflict over worshiping the creator. Yeah, it was definitely the biblical text. Um, just hearing everything from the Bible and hearing just the amount of support that it gives to the whole idea of the beast. I think it sort of solidified some things I was thinking, but also maybe a few realms you know I was very unaware of that even you know being in the Catholic school for so many years um, we just never we just never talked about that and I just think I just think it's something that a lot of people need to know about I do have slightly different opinions now about you know everyone having it having already taken the mark of the you know, I'm just I'm just thankful that we had we we're able in this country to have discussions like this. I think that's what I what I'm coming out of this is was just like wow, like we were able to have this discussion here and have patience with each other and um, be able to learn something new. And I I did not even know this opinion existed to be honest before I even came here. I did I didn't know what to expect. So I think um, it's increased my respect for uh, deeper for the. Christian tradition and, and seeing how much uh, time Mark is limited to trying to learn it. Um, I think that's what it reflects on. I wasn't surprised how this experience had impacted each of the five members of our group, as Finley's method of sharing the Mark of the Beast has been so gentle and influential around the world. Take it from me, I should know. But I wanted to get Mark's take on this. My assignment is to teach them the Mark of the Beast. So I mean, that's kind of, a, kind of an interesting assignment uh, for that group of people. And as I went into the room, the major thing for me was how do I demonstrate the love of Christ while I'm teaching her to the home topic. I, I think Rico, the thing that came out for me was really the, the dynamic in the room. You know, I walked into the room, I had no clue who was going to be there. We had a Muslim, we had an evangelical Christian steeped in rapture theology. We have another Christian who's kind of coming back to Christianity. We have a ardent, ardent Catholic who's educated Catholic schools and Catholic university. And we have a person who is an agnostic atheist, uh, so-called. And uh, my assignment is to teach them the mark of the beast. <laughs> so I mean, that's kind of, a, kind of an interesting assignment uh, for that group of people. Some of them don't have confidence in the Bible. Some of them are, are, of course, the girl who is Muslim and has confidence in the Quran. Uh, they don't have a clear view of salvation and who Christ is. And so to, to kind of blend that group and keep that group together and to be with them for almost six hours and not to have that thing fragment. And as I went into the room, the major thing for me was how do I demonstrate the love of Christ while teaching a very difficult topic? And how do I do it in the context that doesn't come across as narrow, intolerant, uh, bigoted? And, and how do you how do you blend that? And so my whole goal initially was to give the broad perspective of the conversation to bring people and help them to sense to bring people along. And we were able to get agreement at different points along the way. Agreement that the great issues uh, will be over the issue of worship, and the issue of freedom of choice, and the issue of the throne of God, and then to proceed from there and to begin going through the historical narrative and to get them involved in the identification of these historical powers, and then to move into 
Revelation 13, they actually identify the papal power and then to look at the implications of the great controversy. So it was a great day for me. Incidentally, two of them, at the end of the day, two of the five came to me and said, where's your church? Are you a pastor? I said, well, no, but I do speak at uh, the Living Hope Southern Baptist Church in Haymarket, Virginia. They said, can we come? We'd love to visit you. And two of the young people approached Finley about coming to his church. I wasn't surprised. Now, I have a question for you. You, you kind of dated me on the way back. So I got something to tell you on the way back. We're getting close to back. So I'm anxious to hear. I didn't forget. Do you remember that? I do. We all played from Orlando, Florida. Yes, you did. And here was the thing. I said, well, is it true? And I've been studying policy. And I was just in the Right? And I, I wasn't studying policy so much from the Bible, but I was seeing it on the internet and seeing how all these roads led to Rome. So I missed most of the series, of this evangelistic series. And I showed up to some of the last meetings of America and across the city. Then, about March, about the East, guess who the evangelist was? <laughs> it was Mark Finley. It was Mark Finley, and I heard it, and I just heard those two nights. I got a kick out of keeping Mark in suspense and seeing his humble reaction to having changed my life. I was saying how you know he was going through the four beats, the four or five beats that he was listening on the board. And I was just at one point, just because I, when I had researched before on Google, I was really fearing that the beast was going to be Islam because we, I'd seen when I searched just Mark of the Beast and Christianity, there were videos that were showing you know that as, as you know as Antichrist or Islam is this. And it was just really cool um, just to meet some somebody new and to see how like we're all coming from. I just. I've never had an experience like that that really has opened my mind. Sometimes I've just been a little limited in my own experiences, and I just think it was very rewarding, and that was actually the best part of the day. And I was just actually so happy and relieved that it wasn't that. I know that's really bad to say, but um, then suddenly Matt and Mark started discussing, and I was like, wait, what? It's not Islam, and now it's, wait, what is going on? So I think before the day started, I kind of thought that Mark would come and he would end up being kind of a bigot just really like stuck in his way the idea of um you know the pope and the roman church being kind of this part of maybe some sort of um, i don't know in in his christian tradition or his christian lens just seeing it as something that um, you know would, would be detrimental to christianity as a whole so that was a really interesting point for me
Anywho, that's just one of the perspectives. They did a podcast that kind of goes more thorough through what the actual Mark of the Beast is, how it operates, where they took more clips from Mark's time with those kids and kind of explains it all and stuff from his evangelistic series. It's well produced, very well produced. You can find all that on AdventistReview.org slash Digging Deeper. Um, all the resources, articles that Mark wrote about it, um, the podcast, the documentary, a link to that. And then our website is ARTVNow.com. ARTVNow.com if you want to watch other stuff. We have health... AdventistReview.org slash Digging Deeper. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you can find the stuff. So the stuff on the Godhead that comes out next month in Time Deceptions in August. And I forget the rest of the lineup. But really cool opportunity. And so yeah, that's, that's what the Adventist Review is up to in digital media. And just wanted to kind of give you a good wide range of things that exist, how you can get involved. Uh, has this week been helpful for you guys? Just to kind of give you an introductory to what's out there, what's existing, where we're going. Um, yeah, if you'd like some more information, I mentioned yesterday you could go to gycweb.tv and be able to see resources. Jasper's seminar is on there, and it's a video of his seminar where you can hear more of his story and more practical instruction. That's another great resource, gycweb.tv, and then search under Jasper, Jasper Ivan Aturiega, I-T-U-R-R-I-A-G-A. If you just search Jasper, I'm sure he's probably the only option, but... Um, yeah, our seminar was called Stealing Lucifer's Playground, the same name of what we have for here. Are there any questions before we close? What was it, GYC Web? GYCweb.tv. Mm -hmm. And then if you look, look under Stealing Lucifer's Playground, it should be there. I believe it's also on Audioverse, if that's easier. Um, let's find out, since we have lightning fast internet. Okay, Stealing Lucifer's Playground, part one. Yeah, there's two video options. So when you search Jasper Ivan Aturiega in Audioverse, then you can actually go to the video. Let's start the journey by train. And that's, that's my suit jacket he's wearing, by the way. <laughs> um, that's even my tie. Gave him one of my old suits. Um... Yeah, so anyway, that's, that's a way that you can actually watch his whole se seminar. He couldn't be here. We wanted him to be, but it just didn't work out. So you can actually watch the two portions of this program that he does usually uh, by just searching Jasper Ivan Aturiega on Audioverse, and it's called Stealing Lucifer's Playground Part 1 and Part 2. So if there are no further questions, then we will close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, again, thank you for this privilege uh, to be living in a time in which Media can do a work that I cannot. Uh, it can go places that I can't go and do a work that I couldn't do were it not for media. And so I just pray that you would bless us each in knowing how to use it effectively for you and that your will would reign supreme in doing so, that your kingdom would indeed come on earth as it is in heaven and that you would use this medium to do so. Thank you, Father. Bless all of our efforts to advance that kingdom, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.